Any questions before we begin? So on chapter six, yoga of meditation, topic yogi unites with Brahman. We're on the last two verses of this uh, chapter. So in the previous topic, verse 33 to 39, I'm just recapping. Arjuna asks Krishna, if I don't reach the spiritual goal of self-realization, then what will happen to me? I'll be lost. I won't be enjoying the world materially and sensually. Neither will I have become self-realized. I'm neither here or there. Would have wasted my life. What's the point? And then Krishna, Lord Krishna replies, one who follows the righteous path of spiritual development, of seeking the self, may not reach the ultimate goal of self-realization in this life. But this person enjoys peace of mind and prosperity in their present life. So you enjoy this life by being on the spiritual path. He has no sorrow. He does not suffer from any grief in his life. Who can guarantee that in this day and age? You'll be prosperous, no suffering from grief, no sorrow, just being on the path, never mind reaching the goal. And as a bonus, you carry this knowledge forward to your next life. Win-win situation. So there's a no loss to this person if he's on the spiritual path. And as we said, it's the only thing you can take with you when you pass away. Only this knowledge, nothing else. So we have to change our focus. Concentrate on what is going to be beneficial to us in this life and the next life. And not on the things that are limited. Has no value really. Then Lord Krishna explains in more detail what happens if you die while on the spiritual path, having gained this knowledge? What happens in your next life? So what happens to a person following the spiritual path? Anyone? When they pass away? What happens? Just want to make sure everyone understands. What happens to a person? Buzz off to start the last topic again, if you don't know. What happens when you're on this path and you pass away? What happens in the next life? Your next life should be conducted to what you, how far you've got and allows you to continue hence. Yeah. Or an environment that allows you to follow the spiritual path. So your next birth, the environment, is also of peace, calm, no grief, no sorrow. 
and you have a much better life. You're born in an environment that is very conducive. You're happy in that next birth. So you're guaranteeing the next birth to be a good birth. Pure and wealthy family where you enjoy peace and prosperity. And if your vasana for self-realization is so strong, you put so much effort in, then you're born in a family of wise yogis. And in that environment, you can pursue your path to self-realization more easily. Everyone is doing the same thing in that family. They're all dedicated to a spiritual life. Vasana for self-realization, you're born in a home of wise yogis. More conducive for your desire to be fulfilled, to gain self-realization. You struggle even harder in this next life, more effort than your previous life. And you might reach the goal. So by following the right spiritual path, you benefit throughout all your future lives. The knowledge is never lost. As I mentioned before, the way of looking at this is don't look at it as this, your, this particular life as your, your life. Look at it from the first time you were born, which you don't have no awareness, but you were. You've had many lifetimes before, and you may have many lifetimes thereafter. So look at that as one journey with many little segments. And if you look at it that way, then that makes more sense. You're developing slowly throughout the first time to now. Who knows what you are like in your first life? You've been a really bad person. But you've been building up, building up. And based on your good karmas, now you've been born in this environment where this knowledge is now available to you. So you can do something with your life spiritual development and then future lives will develop on that does that make more sense Deepavan? don't look at this as one life look at your whole birth death birth death birth death as one life and this is how you're progressing any questions okay so we're going to do verse 46 now Tapas vibhyo diko yogi, jnani bhyo pimato dikaha, karmi bhyascha diko yogi, tasmad yogi bhavarjuna. Tapas vibhyo diko yogi, jnani bhyo pimato dikaha, Karmi Bhyaschadiko Yogi Tasmad Yogi Bhavarjuna The Yogi is deemed superior to the ascetics, superior to even the wise and superior to performers of action. Therefore, be a Yogi, O Arjuna. So, in... Uh, the Gita, Lord Krishna uses this term, dasmad, in a lot of verses. Dasmad means therefore. So given the facts, 
scientific conclusions and then Lord Krishna used the term therefore. So he's saying here, yogi is deemed superior to the ascetics, superior to even the wise, superior to performers of action. Therefore, smart be a yogi or Arjuna, because that's the highest. Make sense, everyone? Yeah. Yogi is the highest state one can have. Being a yogi. Emma, paragraph one, please. In verses 46 and 47, Krishna gives his concluding advice to Arjuna on becoming a yogi. A yogi in this context refers to a spiritual aspirant on the path of yoga who constantly seeks union with the supreme self. The word yoga is derived from the Sanskrit root yuj, which means to join. Therefore, yoga signifies one's union with the self, Atman. A seeker brings about the union through the media of his body, mind and intellect. Using the physical body for union with the self, he practices karma, yoga, the path of action. Using the mind, he practices bhakti yoga, the path of devotion. And with the intellect, jnana yoga, the path of knowledge. All three yogas help the seeker the yogi to reach the supreme. So here's a blueprint. Yoga means to join. We've said this many a times. You have been separated from your true self, your true personality. And you are now, due to your ignorance, lack of knowledge, you're playing around in the realm of the body, mind, and intellect. Your whole life revolves around your body, mind, and intellect. And the pleasures thereof. This is what we're all doing. Correct? Does everyone agree? We're playing in the realm of the body, mind, and intellect. Nothing beyond that. Except for these Sunday morning classes, you think of something beyond that. But otherwise, throughout the week, that's all you're doing. Your physical pleasures. Your emotions. Your thoughts. This is what your life consists of. You're not interested in the transcendental, the self. Because of your ignorance, it's not your fault. Because you don't know any different. No one teaches you. And this is what we're doing. So yogi is being the highest, is because it means a person who understands this, and he strives to rejoin back to his true personality, the self. He's no longer in the realm of the body, mind, intellect. He's not interested. He's only focused on the self. I want to get back to that original state, nothing else. So, all attempts that a person makes to join back to his true personality is termed a yogi. Don't mix it up with someone who stands on their head. Very different. Yoga. They, 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 they hijacked that term and used it for physical poses. Neither is it 
someone who fasts for seven days or can recite the Gita, even those things are irrelevant for a yogi. And the funny thing is the word religion that we're all familiar with and we all follow also means the same thing. Vi ligare in Latin means to join. So the religion means the same thing. Therefore, a yogi in whatever he does, physically, emotionally, intellectually, he has only one goal in his life. Is this going to take me to the self? Yes, I will do it. I don't know, then I'm not interested. That is a yogi. Will this take me to my true personality, to self-realization? Yes, I will follow it. No, I'm not interested. Is it clear to everyone now, the terminology yogi? Shashi, make sense? Yeah. So what are you going to be? A yogi. There's no female uh, word for yogi. It's one word. Anyone who's going to become, wants to seek the path to self-realization is a yogi, male or female. It's irrelevant. Yeah, so. So... There are times when you might achieve thinking of the self than the world. So, you know, um, thinking, okay, this is not good for me. I'm not going to go down that path right now, but it's for spiritual development. It's not going to help me. So therefore you avoid it. But there are times when you don't win that battle. So you can say that at one time I achieved being a yogi and another time I didn't because I actually gave in to my vasana or desire. So in essence, a yogi can fall short or you can class yourself as a yogi one moment but not the next. Mm -hmm. So in this contents, is it talking about somebody who's just achieving being a yogi all the time? Is the question because it's almost impossible to think being in the world and being a yogi because it's saying constantly, yeah, constantly thinking of the self. Okay, yeah, good question. Anybody have any idea? How can you focus on being a yogi? Constantly. Constantly. Any idea? But is that not what we've been sort of, sorry, taught or learning on this path is to see the self in others and anything that you do around you. So taking a pause allows you to sort of get back to that self, to that path. So yes, I mean, with the constraints of external distractions, yes, for you know, split seconds you may but it's having that discipline of not reacting instantly and being able to see the self in others, hence controlling yourself and taking that pause to readdress before you take action as such. Yeah, yeah. true, true. Sunday morning, Tenfei, everyone in this class is a yogi. Isn't it? Everyone in this class is a yogi Sunday morning. 
They all listen and they all say, yes, I want to get there. But it's after that, it disappears. Or sometimes you remember again, in the morning, if you study every morning, then you remember for that time that you are a yogi. This is my goal, my path, I believe it. But then you get distracted again. So this is what we're saying, isn't it? So, But the question is, how can we make that thought that this is my goal permanently? This is what it's saying. A yogi is constantly thinking of that. Yes? How can you do that permanently? Any ideas? I don't know. That's what I'm asking the group. <laughs> practice and knowledge. It becomes second nature. If you practice, repeat, practice, um, apply, then it's like, um, you know, it's like when you're driving to work and that you use the same route every day. It becomes mm -hmm. autopilot. So as long as you're repeat, repeating, practicing, addressing, being aware, yeah. it becomes second nature, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, just, I think different people will have different ways of dealing with it because their distractions are different. Uh, Sashi, what did you want to say? I was just going to say um, what Ravi said, but in a short form was just to say to try and incorporate practices into your life mm -hmm. um, as much as you can, um, little by little, and then build on it. And then that way it becomes like the norm. Yeah. So you've so, got to Absolutely, Shishi. Thank you. I think um, it's, first of all, understanding what's going to take me to that goal, and that is practicing Dharma Bhakti Yoga. Okay, bearing that in mind, that anything I do and everything I do is to get me to that goal. And, and if you study every morning, it's a reminder of each day. It focuses your thoughts each day, even maybe for a couple of hours to think this is my goal. Anything I do today is to get me to that goal. Yeah, There are certain things we have to do in life. We have to go to work. You know, We have to do certain activities. Everyone has to do that. But converting those activities to Karma Bhakti Yoga, then I think you're remembering my goal is this, not what I'm doing here. I'm working. Yes, why am I working? I'm working. And that's my karma. It helps me to be sustained and helps me on the path to reach that goal. I need a roof overhead. I need food. Therefore, I need to work. But my goal is still this. I'm not going to get involved in this. And actually, funny enough, it's the uh, next um, couple of uh, paragraphs talks about this. Yeah. So I think being in touch with the knowledge constantly, having good satsang, yeah, similar like-minded people uh, will help you to stay on the path. And back of your mind, remembering what your purpose here is. And I think if you do that slowly, 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 maybe in the next life, you'll be born with a goal fixed just to say, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to reach. So it is a um, constant battle. You know, even when you read the lifetimes of the great self-realized self, they've also had this battle. They didn't have a plain sailing life. There are many things. Uh, Swami Ramatita, he had to deal with the 
his family, partner, children. He had wife and children. It was so difficult for him to give everything up to try and reach that goal. And he didn't do it selfishly. So I think uh, these are battles that we all have to fight. But set the goal, and slowly you'll, you'll go towards it. Is that, is that okay, everyone? This is all we can do. Is that okay, Sil? Emma. The three words used in this verse, garmi, tapasvi, and jnani, refer to those who follow the paths of action, karma, devotion, bhakti, and knowledge, jnana respectively, but who are not yogis. While following these spiritual, spiritual paths, seekers invariably become attached to their practices, forgetting their ultimate goal. A garmi enjoying his service and sacrifice to humanity becomes completely involved in it. Enmeshed in his own activity, he ceases to move towards the self. Similarly, a tapasvi gets caught up in performance of his vows and worship and its pleasing emotions, which deters his further progress. A jnani revels in the study of the reflection, study of and re reflection upon scriptural literature and finds contentment in it. All three follow these paths as ends in, the, in themselves. They do not use them as means to the ultimate end of self-enlightenment. Thank you. So there's three terms here, dharmi, tapasvi, and jnani. These are slightly new words, but actually all it means is a person who does karma, karma yoga, is termed as a karmi. A person who does devotional practices is called a tapasvi. And the person who is in intellectual studies is called a jnani. Yeah? So that's all that means. So it's, we said the yogi is superior to a karma, tapasvi, and a niyani, a person who practices those three things. Karmi is a person who's involved in karma, service. I've raised money, built two temples, I feed the poor every year. Every year. He's a karma yogi, karmi yogi. Which is great what they're doing, but they, mo they are motivated by desires to perform this. They're not doing it with the purpose to reach the self. Does that make sense? They're performing these actions because they have a desire for it. They're not using it to reach the goal of self-realization. A tapasvi, a devotional person, does rituals, all the different rituals to different gods, totally involved in ritualistic practices. Every day they do their mara, bhajan, offerings, read shlokas, perform fastings, but they don't see anything beyond this. Yeah. Purely devotional, that's it. And that's all they practice, nothing else. They don't see anything beyond this. This is it, I'm, that's all I'm going to do now until I pass away. And Niyani, he studies all the different texts, Gita, Ramayana, Upanishad. They may become a scholar, take classes, recite the, the verses, but they don't see anything beyond that. They don't use the knowledge that they're studying to move towards self-realization. 
Does everyone, does that make sense? Everyone understand this? So a person who performs the free yogas, karma, bhakti, jnana, as an end in itself, they are not true yogis. This is what this verse is saying. They are not true yogis. But a person who performs the free yogas, karma, bhakti, jnana, as a stepping stone to reach the self, they are true yogis. Very important to understand this, because you can get stuck while practicing these three yogas. A person building temples carries on building temples. person feeding the poor carry on doing that. There's nothing wrong with that. Please, don't get, get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But they forget the purpose of why that practice was there. And they get involved in that. A devotional person wants to visit all the temples in India. I've been to this temple, that temple, this temple. The murti here was so beautiful. I, I did the puja here, I did the puja there. But they forget what the purpose of doing devotional practice is. Like I said, nothing wrong with what they're doing. Why do you practice these three yogas? What is the purpose? What is the purpose of performing the three yogas? Karma Bhakti Gyana. Anyone? What do you do? What does it do when you practice? Shushnabin? I was going to say, we all learn differently in different ways. So some things will appeal a bit more than the others. So practicing one which appeals more to you. Um, sure. will help you increase your knowledge and understanding. What does it do to you, though, by practicing these things? These practices, karma, bhakti, jnana, what is the purpose of it? What does it do to you? How does it affect you? How does it help you to reach self-realization? Making you focus on the self. Focus on the self. But you're doing practicing yoga, you're practicing karma, bhakti, yana, you're not focusing on the self. How does the performing those, those practices, exercises, help you to reach that goal? What is the purpose of it? And there's a reason why I'm asking you this. It's quite important to understand. What stops you from getting to self-realization? In your makeup. What's standing between you and self-realization? Your vasanas, your desires. Your vasanas, your desires. Your vasanas desires are all towards the world, which is stopping you to reach that goal of self-realization. So practicing the free yogas, what does it do? Reduces your vasanas and desires. Um, and the, the three yogis are for your body, mind, and intellect. It purifies your mind of the vasanas. Thank you, Deepa. It purifies your mind of the vasanas. So that's why you're performing these things. But if you're doing karma yoga and all it's doing is increasing your desires to do more karma yoga, then you're not getting to the purpose of doing that. If you're doing more devotion, more devotion, going to visiting more temples, doing more pujas in everywhere in all the temples, okay. That increases your desire to visit more temples. I haven't been to that one. I haven't been to this one. I still need to go to that one. You, you forget why you're doing that. And that becomes the goal itself. 
I've finished all these books. Now, which book shall I read? You forget the purpose of doing it. Because doing those three practices, it purifies your mind of vasanas, which is the barrier stopping you from reaching your goal. Does that make sense, everyone? Any clarifications? Yeah, so. So if I know that I still have desires and vasanas, I am not desireless, mm. I'm not vasanaless, but I do the three yogas understanding actually I'm doing karma as a means to try and be more unselfish um, and bhakti to develop my I suppose it's love towards the higher being than the world mm -hmm. and Gnana Yoga, knowing that actually I need the knowledge to develop and to continue to try to reduce those vasanas and desires. So there's a purpose, yeah? I'm not doing it without a purpose. No. So I haven't reached the stage of meditation for self-realization, but actually the the Garma Bhaktendana I and in a way of me still developing spiritually and understanding that I need the three yeah. because I haven't reached that stage at all. Surely, am I still stuck? Is she still stuck? If I know I need them. Is she still stuck on the path? Let's see if everyone understands. So Shambhin, is she still stuck? No, because everything you gain in this lifetime will continue in the next lifetime. Yeah. It's also having faith that they that will happen. Yeah. You will become uh, enlightened at some point, just not knowing when. Yeah, very good. See, in a way, you actually answered your own question. You said that you're doing these three yogas, yeah, because you still have desires, and you're doing it to reduce your desires because you haven't reached that stage yet. So that's you understand why you're doing that. Mm -hmm. But what we're talking about here is a person who doesn't understand why they're doing that, and they're just doing it for the sake of doing it, because they have desires. In fact, in certain cases, actually massages their ego, and their ego becomes bigger. You know, I've been to this temple, that temple. What about you? You know, I, I've read this many books. I have this understanding. I can recite this. I can recite that is actually increasing his desires and um, ego. Yeah. I've built this many temples. I've fed this many people this year. So they're forgetting why they're doing it. While you, Sil, have said that I'm doing it because I need to reduce my desires. So I'm prepared for meditation. Does that make sense, everyone? Is that clear? So you practice the three yogas to purify the mind of vasanas, desires, 
When you have purified the mind, you practice meditation. When you're meditating, those vasanas are not agitating you, so your mind is calm. And when then you're able to reach that level of enlightenment. You can focus on that mantra. Sabda Brahman, we said in the last verse, whatever that word may be, Om or whatever, you're meditating on, your mind isn't taking you away from that so that you can reach that goal. The Lord Krishna says, this is a true yogi. Is that okay? So, this is a true yogi. Any clarifications? It's really important you understand this because otherwise you'll be stuck. Shashi, make sense? Good. Emma? The yogi referred to in this verse does not fall a prey to the enchantment of spiritual practice. He maintains a spirit of detachment towards them and pursues his path with single-pointed concentration upon the supreme goal of realization. The yogi maintains his consistency in the spiritual path until he reaches the self, whereas the other three stagnate in their respective courses. Hence, Krishna declares a yogi superior to a karmi, tapasvi, and jnani. Thank you. So therefore, a person who performs karma, bhakti, and jnana yoga, they get stuck there. They get involved in that practice and do not use it as a means to merge with the self. These people are not yogis. They're good people. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, they're doing excellent work. But... They are not yogis. A person who is detached from these three yogas, uses these three practices to reach the goal of self-realization, is a yogi. Hence, a yogi is far superior than a karmi, tapasvi, jnani. Therefore, Arjuna, be a yogi. That's what this verse is saying. Any clarifications? Great. 47. Yogi namapi sarvesam madgate nantaratmana shraddhavan bhajate yomam same yuktatamomataha Yogi namapi sarvesam Madgate nantaratmana shraddhavan bhajate yomam same yuktatamomataha. And of all yogis, he who, with the inner self absorbed in me, worships me with shraddha faith, he is considered by me to be wholly united. And of all yogis, he who, with the inner self absorbed in me, worships me with shraddha, faith, is considered by me to be wholly united. The Lord is confirming this to us. Don't worry, be a yogi, I'm with you. In the last verse, Krishna declares the yogi to be superior to the other types of spiritual seekers who practice dharma, action, bhakti, 
devotion, and nana, knowledge. These three paths help a seeker reach the ultimate state of Brahman, the supreme reality. However, practitioners find these paths so enchanting that they revel in their practice and lose sight of the goal. They find an end in the path instead of using it as a means to an end. The, yoga, the yogi signifies one whose interest and attention constantly rests on the self. He uses the spiritual course, courses for the sole purpose of realizing the self. So it's just reconfirmation. Lord Krishna confirms that a true yogi is above all other spiritual seekers, meaning it's the highest practice because it's the only practice that will take you to unite with the self. Nothing else will take you there. So don't be attached to practices of karma bhakti jnana. They will not take you to the goal. They're just the means to an end, not an end in itself. Lord concludes that out of all the yogis, one who is completely absorbed in me, meaning thinking of me as the goal only, has faith in me, who does not rest until he gets to his goal of enlightenment. He is above the rest. He is completely united. Means he will reach the goal eventually. Whenever. But that's a guarantee from the Lord. You do this, you'll get there. Don't worry about it. So, can everyone hear that? Because I've got to change the mic now. Yeah, okay. Burma, Bhakti, and Dana undoubtedly help the seeker to cross over from the realm of the terrestrial to the transcendental, from mortality to immortality, immortality, from unreality to reality. But they cannot take one all the way to Brahman. These practices purify the mind. The seeker thereafter applies the purified mind to meditation in order to realize the self. Therefore, the seeker must not become attached to these three courses. He should use them fully, but dispassionately for crossing over to Brahman. The spiritual courses serve the seeker much the same way as a pole serves a pole vaulter. No pole vaulter can jump and cross the bar without the pole. Equally so, no pole vaulter can cross the bar with the pole. He uses it up to the point of climbing the height of the bar, discards the pole, and then crosses over. The three types of spiritual practitioners mentioned in verse 46, hang on to the pole, that is the practice, and therefore do not cross over to Brahman. Whereas the yogi uses the spiritual practices to complete dispassion to reach the realm of Brahman. Thank you. It's got an example of pole vaulting, and this works brilliantly. They've all, all seen how a pole vaulter jumps over a bar. Oh, I said that 1.5 meters or two meters or whatever. 
and have a long pole and they run towards the bar and there's a little hole in the ground where they connect the pole to and they use the pole to propel them over the bar. Everyone knows pole pulling, correct? So he says, without the pole, he cannot cross the bar. He can't physically just jump that high. But he needs the pole to project him, propel him above that bar. Can he cross the bar with the pole? He has to let go of the pole before he propels himself. There's no way he can jump over the bar with the pole. So if you imagine this pole is equivalent to Therma Bhakti and Yana, the practices of Therma Bhakti Dhyana. Yeah? Imagine that's the pole. You can't reach self-realization by only doing karma, bhakti, jnana, action, devotion, knowledge. By hanging on to these practices, it won't take you to that goal. Anyone know why they can't take you beyond? Why these practices won't take you beyond? Yeah, so... They're all in the world and we want to go beyond the world. They're all in the world. All those practices are in the world. And if you read in the verse, it said, from mortality to immortality, from unreality to reality, it takes you to that. So all those practices are in the world. And we already said the world is unreal. So by practicing those, it doesn't take you to the self if you get attached to it by hanging on to those things. Just like you hang on to the pole, it won't take you across the bar. These practices still keep you in the world. They cannot take you beyond the world. So you have to let go of it. Only then you can go over the bar. You have to go let go of the pole. Only then you can go over the bar. You have to let go of karma, bhakti, yana. Only then you can get to meditation and then beyond the world. So yogi wants to get to the other side, to immortality, to the transcendental. He has to let go of action, devotion, and knowledge. He can't hang on to them, just like the pole vaulter who has to let go of the pole. Can't make it clearer than that. They force feed you in different ways. To understand it this way, we'll understand it that way. Any questions? So, what's that? The yogis tread the right path to reality, but not all of them gain the absolute union with Brahman. Krishna extols the rare one who applies himself consistently until he fully merges with Brahman. The supreme god so the lord is saying that not everyone will get to the goal it's the very rare one who practices wholeheartedly consistently he will get there but that doesn't mean you should give up don't think what's the point only one in a generation will get there what chance do i have because there are other rewards you don't get there this lifetime maybe next lifetime you'll get there or the lifetime after But you're alleviated from pain and sorrow. That's enough for me at the moment. I'm a happy person. 
Any questions? That's the last verse of chapter seven. Chapter six, sorry. I said chapter seven because I already started reading chapter seven. <laughs> Hence it's on my in my head. Any other general questions? Relating to any topic. All good, Josh Nabin? Deeper and clear? Okay. So we read the um, final um, Sanskrit verse and then we read the first verse again of this chapter. Om Tatsaditi Srimad Bhagavad Gita Supani Sastu Brahma Vidyayam Yoga Sastre Shri Krishna Juna Sambade Dhyana Yoga Mama Sasto Dhyayaha Shri Bhagavan Uvacha Anasrita Karma Palam Karyam Karma Karotiyaha Sasanyasi Cha Yogi Cha so we read, we do that. So remind ourselves, you know what? This is still the beginning. We finished that chapter, but we've got a long way to go. Om that is real. Thus in the Upanishads of the glorious Bhagavad Gita, the science of the eternal, the scripture of yoga, the dialogue between Sri Krishna and Arjuna, ends the sixth chapter entitled The Yoga of Meditation. That's it. Now to chapter seven, slowly progressing. Another couple of hundred classes and we'll get there. <laughs> Today's was ninth, class 96, so we got to the end of sixth chapter. Congratulations for sticking sticking around and uh, going on the journey. I commend you because a lot of people can't do it. They get fed up. It's boring, man. Every week, same, same. Lord Krishna saying this and Lord Krishna saying that. You will get fed up. So you should pat yourself in the back for being on the path and um, you know committing yourself because it, it is difficult. Great. So next week, Sunday, live class at Ravi's house. You'll get you'll not only get the knowledge, but you'll get the vibrations from Lord Krishna as well. All like-minded people sitting around the table discussing this knowledge. Seriously, it's a different vibe. So join us. Until then, Hari Om.